to Justice, a new podcast where I'll be covering the stories of true crime cases that have received justice and cases that are still seeking justice. I'm your host, Lindsay. Today, I will be covering the case of Daniel Nolan, who disappeared after an evening fishing trip with his friends. Daniel Nolan, known to his friends and family as Dan, was born on the 5th of February 1987 to parents Pauline and Greg. Dan then became the eldest of five children in the Nolan family. As Dan and his family grew up by the seaside, he was a keen fisherman, often spending weekends or evenings honing this skill. On the night of January 1st, 2002, New Year's Day, Dan had gone out fishing at 8pm with three friends, Joe, Tom and George, whose names have now been changed due to being minors at the time of this event, and he was due to return home at 2am. Dan's mum, Pauline, has stated before that it wasn't unusual for teenagers in the local fishing community to be out this late at night and that she didn't have any worries, as Dan would be with a group of friends that she knew well and she trusted. He had been out many times before in the same fashion, which had given his parents a good sense of security. The four teenage boys set off on their way, and when they arrived, they set up their fishing gear on the pontoon of the Hamble River. Unknown to all of the boys' parents, one of them had brought a bottle of vodka along with them. Although the friends were only 14 and 15 at the time, which might seem very young to be drinking spirits, This is not actually that unusual in the UK. Lots of teenagers this age spend time at the weekends or around special occasions drinking cheap alcohol purchased by older siblings from the corner shop or consuming spirit stolen from the parents' drinks cupboards. Throughout the evening, Dan, Joe and Tom drank some of the vodka, but George didn't drink at all, as he knew he'd be going home shortly and didn't want to get in trouble with his parents. After the boys had eaten some of the snacks they had brought, mucked around for a bit and eventually settled into fishing, George was picked up by his dad, a former football player, at roughly 10pm. It is recalled by George that his dad was quite strict and wouldn't let him stay out too late with his friends. He regrets not staying, stating in an interview with the playwright Mark Wheeler, who wrote a dramatic account of Dan's case, quote, Just the fact I was there on the night he vanished makes me think it was partly my fault. I could have told him to come home with me. After some time had passed, Joe was sick onto the pontoon, and the two other boys suggested that he lie down for a bit to recover. As you might assume, being young and having consumed spirits had caused Joe to feel quite nauseous. At around 10.30pm, Dan decided he wanted to head up to the local shop for some chocolate, stating to his friends that it would be open until 11pm. Tom decided that he would join Dan on his trip to the shop and they left Joe still recovering on the pontoon. However, when they finished their short walk and reached the shop, it was closed, most likely having shut earlier than usual due to it being the New Year's Day holiday in the UK. 
Dan then saw some of his friends waiting at the bus stop across the road and went over to speak to them for a short while. Tom decided that he should make his way back to the pontoon to check on Joe. When he arrived, he discovered that Joe was feeling very unwell, worse than before, and he'd been sick another time. Due to this, Tom and Joe decided that it was time to end their night out, and they packed up their fishing things and walked up to the high street. Meanwhile, at the bus stop, the group of friends chatting with Dan asked him the time. The police have said that due to the fact he was able to read his analogue watch with no trouble, it was determined that despite drinking some vodka earlier in the evening, Dan was still capable enough and aware. Although this has been a point of contention for those who have discussed this case online, as I'm sure some of you are aware that you can be quite significantly drunk and still able to read a watch, and many argue that this particular fact doesn't actually indicate how drunk Dan was at the time. After some more time had passed, and realising the bus might not be coming to pick them up after all, the group of friends left to walk home, and Dan decided to walk back along the high street towards the Hamble River pontoon. On his way there, he was seen by a party leaving the Bugle pub, and by a woman who knew him driving in her car. Here is where Dan meets Tom and Joe, now heading home. They saw Dan outside the Victory pub in Hamble around 11.40pm. Tom told Dan that he had packed up his and Joe's things and needed to take Joe home because he was too unwell to stay out anymore. Dan asked Tom to stay a little bit longer just to help him pack up his own fishing things, but Tom declined stating he wanted to get Joe home as soon as possible. At this point, by his own admission, Joe was having to lean against the windows on the street for support and was repeatedly being sick. Tom has also stated he thought Joe was more in need of his help at that time, which is understandable considering his state. Dan made his way down to the pontoon to pack up his fishing gear, stating he would just be behind his friends, This was the last time that Daniel Nolan was seen alive. When Dan failed to return home by 2.45am, his mother Pauline went down to the pontoon that he'd been fishing from to look for him and found his fishing gear, but said that Daniel Nolan was nowhere to be seen. She describes the scene to playwright Mark Wheeler here. Quote, Dan's tripod stand was like collapsed in the corner like he was packing it away, then suddenly stopped, or, I don't know, been stopped. One of them must have fallen in, and then he probably tried to... His backpack was... like, had just been chucked down. It was in the middle. You had to go round it to get his other stuff. His gloves. They were there as well. It was spooky. End quote. After searching the area and finding no other signs of Dan, she hurriedly went to check at the other boys' houses to see if Dan was staying with them or if there had been some sort of incident that had maybe caused them to leave suddenly together. Upon realising that Dan had not returned home with a friend, she then called the police and by 4.30am there were emergency services out on the water looking for him. The police said, 
that all of the CCTV cameras in Hamble that might have captured footage of Daniel Nolan or anyone else were either turned off or broken at the time. For the next three months, the river was searched every day in both tides. Every yacht and boat was fingertip searched and had divers underneath them in case Dan had fallen in and had become trapped underneath. Two large army sonar units were brought in, but found nothing. Pieces of a headlamp were discovered in a field around 3,000 metres from the pontoon that Dan and his friends had been fishing on that evening. And Dan's parents, Pauline and Greg Nolan, are adamant that this is the one Dan was wearing the night he disappeared. This has never been confirmed or denied to the public by the police. Unfortunately, Dan's case wasn't well publicised at the time that he went missing, and his parents were finding it really difficult to get any significant media coverage. Another missing teen case, the case of Millie Dowler, was being very highly publicised in the press at the time. The Millie Dowler case was nationwide news that even had celebrities making appeals for her safe return. The playwright, Mark Wheeler, saw Dan's missing posters frequently around his local area and having a son around Dan's age, he completely sympathised with the parents and got in touch with the family and they agreed to be interviewed for what is called a verbatim play. This is a play where the interviews from the families are taken word for word and collated into a performance. At the point the play was written, Dan's case was still open and he was considered by police to be a missing person with no evidence other than his abandoned fishing gear. Dan's parents wanted as much publicity as they could for his case and their campaign and they felt the play would help to get the story out there to the public. There were also several other missing teen cases in the local area and Daniel's parents were in contact with them for support. Daniel's parents were convinced that he had not drowned due to the fact that every missing person who had fallen into the Hamble River that the police were aware of has had their body recovered, the longest time to do this being four months. And at the time of the play being written, Dan had still been missing for 11 months. It is this, along with the discovery of the head torch, the statements from those who saw Dan that evening, and the lack of sighting of Dan by the gaffer of the river, that Dan's parents were looking into every possible outcome, not just drowning. 21 months after Daniel's disappearance, human remains were discovered by a dog walker in an area of beach known as Chapham's Pool near Swanage, Dorset, on May 15th. A left foot inside two pairs of black socks and a DC trainer, which was Daniel's last described clothing, was found, and DNA positively matched this to belonging to Daniel Nolan. To this day, Daniel's left foot is the only evidence that has ever been discovered in his case. An article in the Daily Mail states that the foot had separated from the body naturally, but again, there have been no public confirmations by the police that this statement is indeed true.
I must inform you that unfortunately it is not uncommon for feet belonging to missing people who are suspected of drowning to wash up on beaches and shores around the world. Often, if the victim is wearing shoes, the shoe itself protects the foot and acts as a float and the ankle joint can become separated as the body decomposes, causing a large number of feet to be the only remains found in a body of water. Daniel's parents accept that he is dead, but still have the feeling that something else happened to their son. Pauline Nolan told the Daily Echo, quote, Therefore, on this evidence, we must accept that the probability is that our Dan is no longer alive. However, as a family, we must emphasise that this does not tell us the circumstances surrounding Dan's appearance. In fact, we feel that this has posed a lot more questions than given answers. We are fully aware that the police investigation into Dan's disappearance is still ongoing and we would like to state that as a family we have complete faith in the major crime unit and thank them for all their efforts in trying to answer our questions. While hopefully the pain of losing Dan will fade, we know that our joy of having him in our lives and memories will become stronger. The search for Dan may be over, but I can assure you that the search for the truth surrounding Dan's death will continue. End quote. To this day, there have been no further findings that have been made public surrounding Daniel's disappearance or death. If you're interested in learning more about Dan's story, I would highly recommend reading the play Missing Dan Nolan by Mark Wheeler. This play is still used in high schools around the UK as part of the drama and the PSHE curriculum. Teenagers learn about Daniel Nolan's story and the play is used to teach the importance of always sticking together and using a buddy system when out and about. It is the most likely theory that due to Dan being alone, he may have slipped or tripped, falling into the freezing Hamble River and drowned that night. As we come to the end of the podcast, I wanted to remember Daniel Nolan as a cheeky, sociable teenager who was very loved by his family and who enjoyed spending time out on his boat in the water or fishing with his friends. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If the platform you are listening on allows your views, I'd be grateful to hear what you think and I hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you.